Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. It's so fantastic to be here with you on this beautiful sunny day down on the Gold Coast. What a great place to be. Well, before we get into um, talking about the parables, I just wanted to let you know that recently Jason and I uh, both got a promotion. Uh, On the 12th of September, we were promoted to grandparents, uh, which was very, very exciting. Uh, Aurelia Joy Dean uh, was born to our beautiful daughter, Caitlin, and uh, her husband, Brenton, and it has been such a joy. And she's just so gorgeous. Oh my goodness, oh, more bubbers up the back. I'll have to have a cuddle later. (laughs) It's addictive. Anyway, um, parables. Parables are stories, simple stories that Jesus told to point to spiritual truths. And I hope you've been enjoying our series so far on the parables. And today we're gonna look at one of Jesus' most well-known parables, the story of the Good Samaritan. And whether you've been in church for, you know, this is your first day or whether you've been in church for a long time, you will all know what it means to be a good Samaritan because it's become part of our vocabulary. We know that a good Samaritan is someone who makes a great effort to help someone else in need. And it all started with this story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 10, which we're gonna read together this morning, starting at verse 25. And I'm gonna pull it apart in bits and pieces today, so bear with me. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a great question for all of us. What do I need to do to live the kind of life I was called to live. But this guy actually isn't asking Jesus because he really wants to know the answer. He wants to trap Jesus. He wants to prove that Jesus is a fraud and should be exposed. This is how Jesus answers his question. It's with another question. He says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So the religious expert, he's really keen to show off his vast knowledge, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus says to him, you have answered correctly. Well done, good student, gold star. Because this guy's actually summarised 600 Jewish laws into two in exactly the same way that Jesus does. Jesus says, do this and you shall live. But, but he wanted to justify himself. Do you ever try to do that? You know that there's something that you should do that you're not doing, something that you should have done and you haven't done. So you make excuses to try and justify why you haven't. Now my family are really good at making excuses and justifying why they can't put dirty dishes in the dishwasher. Any mother here feel the same way? 
Honestly, I'm surprised that my kids actually know where the dishwasher is. But these are some of the excuses that they give me to justify themselves. I'm sorry, I didn't have time, I'm far too busy. The dishwasher was already full. The dishwasher was clean. I am tearing my hair out at this point. But Jason just complains that I tell him that he puts it in wrong, so there's no point in even trying. <laughs> that's actually true, he does put it in wrong. But that's beside the point, and don't tell him I said that. But we all come up with excuses to justify why we don't do what was required. And this guy, he wasn't sure if he'd done what was required. So he wants to justify himself. So he asks Jesus, well, who is my neighbour? Who do I have to love? Do I have to love everybody or can I just love some people? Can I just love nice people? People who are just like me. People that will love me back. See, everyone who is listening to Jesus at the time knows that there's a great debate going on amongst the rabbis. See, this, uh, this law, this sorry statement from Jesus comes from Leviticus, where it says, do not hate your brother in your heart. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. So some rabbis would read this and say, well, obviously my brother is my neighbour because he's in the text. Obviously our people are my neighbour because they're in the text. And then there was some debate amongst the rabbis about the converts, people from outside the Jewish religion that had become a part of them, part of their tribe. And some rabbis would say, that they counted as neighbours, and some would say that they didn't. But every rabbi agreed on who did not count as a neighbour. Gentiles didn't count, pagans didn't count, heretics didn't count as neighbours. Some people are neighbours and some people aren't. Some deserve love and some don't. We should help some people when they're in need and there's others that you can just ignore. And that's why the expert in the law is coming to Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, where do you sit in the great neighbour debate? Can I be excused from loving some people? So Jesus tells this story that's become one of his most well-known and well-liked stories. And we love this story. But Jesus actually got in a heck of a lot of trouble for telling this story at the time. It goes like this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, everybody at the time could picture this because they knew that the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was about 25 kilometres long and it was notoriously dangerous. It's actually more like a very narrow alley with hills all up around it with lots of nooks and crannies where robbers could hide and ambush travellers. It was a really bad neighbourhood and everybody knew this. 
If you went down that road by yourself, you are asking for trouble. And this man, he goes down the road by himself. He gets into a whole stack of trouble and he's in desperate need of help. See, we all have moments where we need the help of a neighbour. I remember a time when we as a family were in desperate need of help. We were actually coming back from a trip that we'd taken up to Cape York and we decided to do the Telegraph Road on the way back. And if you know that road, it's got lots of creek crossings and we were nailing the creek crossings. We were doing so well until we got to this particularly deep creek crossing that somebody decided he was confident enough to take hard and fast and make it to the other side. And uh, that particular somebody happened to put a hole in our radiator. That somebody wasn't me. I'm just putting that out there. And for the next however many kilometres, we had to keep stopping constantly to fill the radiator up with water and limp our way back to a main road. On one particular stop, we'd come through another creek and this same unnamed person went to the back of our camper trailer to get something out of the camper trailer. And it wasn't until we finally got to a somewhat more main road and this unnamed person went to the back of the trailer again to find that he had left the tailgate open and we had lost everything out the back of our camper trailer. So we're stuck on the side of the road, nowhere to go, no food, four crying children, a crying wife and a very cranky husband. As we stood on the side of the road, we were in desperate need for help. We were crying out for a car, any car. It really didn't matter. We just needed somebody to stop. And I tell you, I couldn't have orchestrated this if I try or in my wildest prayers, but not only did we get one car stopped, we got two cars stopped, a family that were in convoy, and both of the men in the family were diesel mechanics. And uh, they stood on the side of the road for about two hours trying to work on our engine. They were the most unlikely good Samaritans you would ever meet because those two hours, they, they had a beer in their hand the whole time. Every second word was expletives, but they worked on our car. And when they finally decided that they couldn't get it fixed, and this is where the fact that there was two of them was such a miracle, because one of them, decided to hook our car up to the back of his truck and tow us to a crossing where we could get help. And the other one took me in the car, which is a bit dodgy now that I look back on it, um, all the way back through the Telegraph Road until we found our stuff, which had all been picked up and moved to the side of the road, every last bit of our equipment. They tied it up on their roof, then drove me all the way back to where Jason was waiting. I tell you, they were unlikely good Samaritans in our desperate time of need. And while I know that this situation is a little bit extreme, we all have moments when we're in need of the help of others. We can all think of moments where we've needed the help of others. Moments where we face something that's too much for us on our own and we need help. Moments when you say, I don't know what I would have done without them. 
We all have moments like this in our lives and some of you might be in one of those moments right now. We lose someone we love, we have a sick child, we get fired, marriage or a close friendship falls apart. You feel lonely, vulnerable, wounded, and you can't just pull yourself together and get on with life. We need the help of others. And I believe some of you here this morning need to hear these words. It's actually okay to get help from others. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to admit you're not okay. In the story that Jesus is telling, this is one of those moments. This man was alone, he was vulnerable, he was wounded, he was unable to help himself. But don't worry, good news is on the way. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now remember, this road isn't like the gateway. It's not a six-lane highway. It's a narrow little road. So for this priest to pass by, he probably would have had to have climbed over the man on the road to avoid him. This guy was a priest. He served in the temple. He leads worship. He handles sacrifices. And he had to be in a ritual state of purity. He had to be clean. See, in the written law, contact with a corpse, a dead person, would make him unclean. Contact with a Gentile would make him unclean. So Jesus tells this brilliant story where nobody who is listening actually knows if this guy is dead or alive. And because he's been stripped of all his clothes, nobody actually knows if he's a Jew or a Gentile. Is he dead or alive? Jew or Gentile? Will he defile me? The priest doesn't know. If he turned out to be dead or a Gentile, it's actually a really expensive, time-consuming process for him to get clean. It had been seven days of living outside the camp with other sinners, which would be so degrading for a priest. And then he'd have to make the appropriate sacrifice, which was a red heifer, to become clean. The priest knows that if he helps this guy it's gonna cost him time and money. It was easier to avoid him. He wasn't worth the effort. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. See, he also needed to stay in a ritual cleanliness to work in the temple. This was inconvenient for him too. He had good excuses not to help the guy in need. It was expensive, inconvenient. Have you noticed that helping people in need can be expensive and it can be inconvenient? You know, we can all make excuses of why we can't help someone in need. Here's three that I wanna highlight from this story. First one, takes too much time. For the priest and the Levite in the story, weighing up the sacrifice of time was too big a cost. 
It wasn't just the cost of time in that moment, but the cleansing ritual would have taken considerable time. And many of us find ourselves too busy and we make excuses that we just don't have the time. There are too many people in need that we don't know where to start. We become overwhelmed with the need that we see and the time that would be sacrificed and decide it's just easier to do nothing. Secondly, we make the excuse that there's too much cost. The priest and the Levi would have weighed up the financial cost. It was considerable. The literal cost of the sacrifice was big, too big to make the effort. And when we add up the financial cost of helping others, the needs can often seem too great. We don't have the resources to help everyone, so it's easier to do nothing. Lastly, I believe this is one of our biggest excuses, too much fear. You can actually sense the fear in the priest and the Levite. The words it used were, they passed by on the other side. They got as far away as they possibly could from this man on the Noah road. He was unknown, he was unclean, defiling. Fear stopped them from reaching out and helping a man in desperate need. How often have we allowed fear to stop us from helping those around us in desperate need? Fear stops us from being courageous. It stops us from being obedient to the promptings of God. I mean, if it was God, I wouldn't feel fear, right? Have you ever made that excuse? It's all just too much, too many, too hard. Fear is debilitating. We could all make excuses like the priest and the Levi to justify why we are unable to help someone in need. And right then, when those who are listening to the story might be feeling justified in not doing anything to help those in need, no time, too costly, too afraid, Jesus finishes the story with somebody who didn't make any excuses. And what Jesus said next to the crowd was completely unexpected. But a Samaritan, that's important, as he travelled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. This is not what they were expecting. A Samaritan. You know, we call him the good Samaritan, but back in those days, there was no such thing. They hated Samaritans. They were their enemies. They were half-breeds and heretics. They thought that it was an insult to God to spend time with a Samaritan. But Jesus goes and makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. 
He has pity on the man in need. He bandages him, pours oil and wine. He puts him on his donkey and he takes him somewhere safe and he pays his bills. He willingly took the time to help the man on the side of the road. He willingly paid the cost, whatever it took to see the man healed. He willingly set aside any fear that might have stopped him and showed mercy. A Samaritan of all people acted out of compassion and did whatever he could for the man in need. Jesus says to the expert in the law, which of these three was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Now this story really hurt the people. The Samaritan in Jesus' story was closer to the heart of God than the expert, the priest and the Levite. In fact, the expert in his answer can't even say the man's name. His answer is the one who had mercy on him. See, the religious expert wanted neighbour to define, to justify not loving people who were different than him. But Jesus tells his story and points to a highly unlikely person as a good neighbour to the needy. He tells his story to explain that there is no excuse to lack compassion for those that are different to you. There's no way to justify a lack of love for those who are suffering in need because everyone has value to God. Everyone in need is worth the effort. But Jesus goes further than just defining who is a good neighbour. He goes on to tell us how to be a good neighbour. Four simple words, go and do likewise. The priest sees the person in need and goes away from him without doing anything. The Levite sees the person in need and goes away from him without doing anything. The Samaritan in the story sees the person in need, goes to him and does whatever it takes to help. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Jesus is saying, don't be the person who sees the need and goes away and does nothing. It's inconvenient being a good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is one of Jesus' most famous stories because we know that it's important to help people in need. We know it's a good thing to do. And I believe we want to help people in need. We want to be a Good Samaritan. We just don't know if we can. We don't know if we have the time or the ability to help others. And we see so much suffering in the world. We see so many needs in our own community, in our church family, in our own families. We see so many people in need in our world and it's overwhelming. But Jesus says, don't be the person who sees the need and goes away and does nothing. So what do we do? Well, just like Jesus' parables gives a simple message, I wanna encourage you with one simple, practical suggestion this morning. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. See, the last thing I wanna do this morning is make people feel guilty 
and you go and run around and do everything for everyone. I don't believe that's the point that Jesus is trying to make in this story. But I wanna encourage you to listen to the prompts of God as He shows you the people in your world that need a healing touch, that need a neighbour and love them fearlessly. Love without fear. You know, just the other week, I was at the bank teller and I was waiting behind an old man who was having trouble getting his card to work and he steps away and tells me it's not working. So I step up and I give it a go and get it to work straight away as you sort of kind of do. And he's just hovering over on the side and I turned to leave and I felt this simple prompting from God. So I turned to the man and I said, would you like me to help you see if you can get it to work? 30 seconds That's all it took me to help him get into his account. But he couldn't stop thanking me profusely. And as I walked away, because I had been preparing this message, it actually really struck me. It's not something quite as massive as picking a half dead person up off the side of the road, but it made me realise how many promptings God gives us every day to be a good Samaritan to those around us to show kindness and love to those in need, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to everyone that we come across. Sometimes in the simplest of circumstances, we actually don't have to overcomplicate it or be overwhelmed by it. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I've had uh, the privilege over about 10 years of taking teams of women uh, over to Cambodia to our ministry over there called Bloom, which is a vocational training school established for girls at risk. And I got the privilege of travelling with some of the beautiful Ormo women just back in August. But I remember um, back in the early days, some of the first times I went, I was completely overwhelmed by the need that I saw in Cambodia the poverty, the beggars, the trafficked girls. And Ruth, who runs Bloom over in Phnom Penh, her words back then have stuck with me since then. She said, Susan, I find the need overwhelming too, but I pray for God to show me the ones that He wants me to notice. I can't do it for everyone, but I can do it for the ones I've got to trust the rest to Him and not allow myself to be overcome by the enormity of need that will always be there. That's great advice. And you know, by noticing the ones and loving them fearlessly, Bloom has now trained up over 200 girls who have a certificate in hospitality and they have real hope for the future. But most importantly, they all know Jesus. And now those girls, many of them are going back into their communities and sharing the hope and the faith that they have in Jesus, discipling others in their faith. You see, it's not just about the 200 ones that Ruth noticed, but God had a plan for communities, families redeemed. The investment is multiplying. When we are faithful to what God asks of us, He's able to do immeasurably more. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone and love them fearlessly. How do we love fearlessly the ones? There's three things I wanna encourage you with. To love fearlessly, we need to go deep, not wide. 
The Samaritan goes the extra mile for this guy. He pays for his room for a few weeks. If it's not enough, he says, I'll pay the rest when I get back. This is a significant investment of time and money to see this guy healed. You can't do that for everyone, but you can do it for someone. Invest deeply into the lives of a few, whether it's your friends and family, your life group, your church family. You can't help every person in need. And I certainly can't either. But together, we can. See, this story is the picture of the church in action, a healing community. When we get beaten up, Somebody else comes along and picks us up and helps us back on our feet. The Apostle Paul says, carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfil the law of Christ. Many of you have heard over the years the difficult journey that our family went on with our daughter Bronte when she got ill with um, anorexia. It was a really dark, long journey. And, and by this point, I had nothing left to carry our family through this season. But my friend Anne came to me one day and she said to me, Susan, I feel like God is telling me to walk this journey with you for this season, for this period of time. And I'm so thankful that she listened to the promptings of God and committed to walking alongside us. She carried an incredible burden on our behalf. I still thinking back to it, cannot fathom the strength that God gave her. She went deep, not wide. She made meals for us. She organised a roster of other people to make meals for us. She sent constant text messages and words of encouragement. She drove me to appointments and sat in the car while I was in an appointment with Bronte. Didn't matter how long it took, she sat there and she prayed. She prayed constantly, however long it took. She even made me school lunches because at the time I was teaching, and nobody's made me school lunches since I was a kid. Anne went deep, not wide. She loved me fearlessly. It was so inconvenient for her. And yet she carried me and my family through a season when I had nothing left. Can I encourage you? Go deep, not wide with the ones that God gives you. To love fearlessly, we need to go time and not just money. It's easy to justify getting, uh, not getting personally involved, sorry, with people by giving of our money rather than our time. We should give generously. All our ministries reaching out to people in need need money. But I believe God has called us to spend time with people in need, people who need Jesus. Don't be one of those people who gets to the end of the year and says, I don't think God used me to change somebody else's life, but boy, it was a privilege to support those who did. You know, it wasn't long after Bronte was uh, somewhat better that I met Mel. Mel and her family had just gone through some very similar circumstances with their girls that we had um, been through with Bronte. And because of that, journey that we'd been on, I was able to walk alongside them. You know, honestly, it wasn't always convenient. It was a big investment of time and many tears. And sometimes I wondered how I would get anything done that I needed to get done. 
But I'll tell you, God was faithful. As I was faithful to His call on me to love Mel and her family fearlessly, He never let me down. I never went without, I never missed a deadline. In fact, my life became richer and now I get to count Mel as a very close friend and I've watched her grow and flourish. Her whole family is doing well and all of them are serving faithfully in the church. And Mel is heavily involved in women's ministry with me and influencing the lives of others. Go time, not just money. It is worth the effort. And lastly, to love fearlessly, go long-term, not just short-term. The Samaritan looks after the injured man until he was well. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, it wasn't just a five-minute fix. The healing process can take time. Commit to people long-term. Earlier, I mentioned Bloom and at Bloom, they have a mentoring program for girls, uh, the girls that come. A leader who walks alongside what they call a beneficiary. And just recently, I heard a story from Ruth about one of the beneficiaries who I'm gonna call Mary. And Mary's mentor's name was Satya. And for five years, Satya has walked the journey with Mary. She has loved her fearlessly. She's shown her incredible kindness and grace, walked her through some of the darkest times that Mary could experience in her healing process. And just recently, Mary came to Satya and she said, you know, for five years, I've been watching you. I've been waiting for you to make a mistake. I've been waiting for you to get angry at me and to push me away, to tell me that I'm no good. But in all that time, you haven't done it, not once. And because of that, I now know that your God is the true God. And now your God will be my God. How cool is that? In a Buddhist culture where there's many gods worshipped for many different things, she was watching. And the truth of who God, the real God is, hit her. Satya loved Mary long-term. And now Mary is a believer and she's getting baptised soon. In fact, uh, knowing this story, I was overwhelmed in August when we were there on the last night and Mary stood up and thanked our team for teaching her more about the Bible and teaching her more about Jesus, the true God. I tell you, God is at work. When we commit to walk the journey long-term and not just short-term, everyone is worth the effort. You can't change the world for everyone, but you can change the world for someone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You know, I could tell you lots of stories that haven't ended up like that and some more that have. A verse that really encourages me from Galatians 6 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's easy to get weary doing good. It's tiring helping people in need. 
It's inconvenient and it's costly. And at times it's overwhelming. But we know it's the right thing to do. And we know that there's gonna be times when we need others to help us too. It's why Jesus says, love your neighbour as you wanna be loved yourself. Let us not become weary in doing good because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Doesn't mean that everyone we help will come to know Jesus. Unfortunately, no. Jesus warned us that it wouldn't always be the case, but He said there will be a harvest. It's not gonna happen by some super program or super leader or super event. It's gonna happen if we all love fearlessly the ones that God gives us, the way that He would if He was here. Invite them to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. You can't change the world for everyone, but you can change the world for someone. If we all did for one what we wish we could do for everyone, the world would change. Do you believe that? If we all did for one what we wish we could do for everyone, the world would change because everyone is worth the effort. You know, the the spiritual truth that the Good Samaritan points to is the fact that Jesus Himself demonstrated that everyone was worth the effort. When we were in our most desperate need, when we were enemies of God, He showed us great mercy and saved us from death. We didn't deserve it. We certainly hadn't done anything to earn it. But out of His incredible love for you and for me, He sent His one and only Son into the world who died a painful death on a cross that we would be healed, redeemed and have life evermore. You know, this morning I wanna give you the opportunity if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the saving love and grace of Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity to say yes to Him this morning, to follow Him. I wonder if everybody could close their eyes and bow their heads. If that's you this morning, if you find yourself in desperate need, desperate need of a Saviour, You actually empathise with the man on the side of the road and you say that, God, that's me. I'm so desperate for You. I need You. I need You as my Lord and Saviour. I wonder if you could raise your hand where you are right now. If this morning you want to declare that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, you wanna commit to follow Him. If that's you, just put your hand up nice and high so I can see you. All good, I want you to keep your eyes closed for me. So the expert in the law came to Jesus and he asked him, who is my neighbour? As as you're bowed before Jesus right now, I want you to ask him the same question. Jesus, who is my neighbour? Who is it right now that you want me to show your love to this week? Listen to the promptings, the name that He's putting on your heart right now. Who is it? 
that you can reach out in love and mercy to and show the kindness of Jesus. God, I pray this morning that you would show us the ones. Show us the ones that we can love and ways that we can love them. God, would you help us to be courageous? Would you help us to love fearlessly, to live open-handedly and live generous lives that reflect the incredible love that you've poured out on us? God, help us not to be afraid. Help us not to, to find ourselves too busy to be able to love the ones. Help us to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone, that we would see this world changed. It starts with the ones that you're putting on our heart right now. Help us to love them fearlessly, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. You know, uh, in each week of this series, we're encouraging you to download uh, the, now it's not called a screensaver. Wallpaper, I get it wrong every time. I really should change that so that I know I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Um, but to change your wallpaper in this week, we have the wallpaper, Love Fearlessly. And I wanna encourage you to download it. And every time you see those words on your phone, Think of that one, pray for that one. Ask God for ways that you can love them fearlessly through whatever it is that they're walking through, that they might see Jesus. Can I encourage you to do that this morning and love them fearlessly? You know, as we sing this last song, it's such a a great song of God's love and goodness to us, no matter what our situation, no matter what it is that we're walking through. And uh, interestingly, as I was praying for this morning and then hearing uh, Sophie, I just really felt like there were some people here this morning who needed a special touch from Jesus. You're actually feeling more like the man on the side of the road than anything else. You're feeling downtrodden and crushed and circumstances are overwhelming. You just empathise with that man and you are in desperate need of somebody to come alongside you, stand with you and pray for you. Can I get everybody to stand? We've got a couple of people who are are gonna pray this morning. If I can get the prayers to come down uh, to the front row, that would be awesome. Because sometimes wherever we are on the journey, and remember, it's okay to say we need help. It's okay. And in our church family, in our church community, this is the place where we can do it most authentically, most real, because these people wanna stand alongside you, love on you and point you to Jesus. So can I encourage you as we sing this song, if that's you, if you feel like you empathise with that man on the side of the road and you just need somebody to stand alongside you, to to pray strength and courage and healing, please come down. Please come down and uh, get prayer this morning. Start coming now if that's you. Don't wait. Be encouraged. 
We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.